2014. Oh my god. It really is. We're not making it up. <laughs> no. Old acquaintance. It still feels like 2013, but it's not We've always survived the way. into another year, yes. people. We made it. You know, we're here with each other. What you a know, beautiful day. Having lived through uh, the millennium changing, you know, whether it was in 99 and 2000 and the fear of Y2K and all that, mm-hmm. or some people who do say that the millennium started in 01, technically. In fact, I think someone prominent says that, like Spielberg or Hawking or somebody. Anyway, it must be true. The people having lived through that, it just feels like the transition between other years won't ever be as special. But what I've learned in my 26 years, every uh, year is special. 25 is that each one is uh, different and special in its own way. Wow, that's very absurd. Very, I, I mean, yeah, it did take you a long time, but you know, well done. to say. <laughs> Hope everyone had a nice New Year's. My head still Hope hurts. No one had too much um, black stout. Yeah. Champagne, or, or champagne, roast Joffrey with the G, silent G. Eric singing. I would just need Selena to sing. La, la, la. Noodle doodle. Noodle and noodle year. And Is the year of the noodle? Is <laughs> Yeah. You guys remember 2004, right? Like, pretty vividly still? Ish. Lost started in 2004. Are you about to say, that was 10 years ago? It was a decade ago. Oh, I mean, yeah. let's get real here. 2004. God. You know, I saw an article about 2004 recently about all the movies that came out that are now going to be 10 years old. Prisoner of Azkaban is one mm-hmm. of them. Mean Girls Jeez. is another. Um, there were like 30 of them, actually. Those go hand in hand with each other. Uh, Shrek much. 2. Shrek Lots two. of angst. I, I'm just... Those are just the ones that I remember. They made more than one uh, Shrek. Yeah, Lost came out. They made like five of them. I have a story about that. I was watching, I think it was Shrek 3. I was on a flight back from Los Angeles, and there was this guy in front of me. or I, No, actually, he was sitting behind me, and, and we had a bit of turbulence, and uh, he would keep grabbing my seat every time. <laughs> like He thought the world was going to end. And I just remember that because I was watching Shrek 3 at the time. It was one of the worst movies I've ever seen. <laughs> so you were grabbing the seat in front of you then every time no. you had to glance down. The onion this. has layers. I'm not a cake yeah. donkey. Exactly. So uh, that's, that's what the- you're going down to. That's your last memory. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Shrek. Um, no, well, I was fine. It was the guy behind me who thought, you know, that – Never mind. It was the flight. Wait, was he was clutching the seat with. in front of him. Like, yeah, which was my seat. That's going to brace you for impact. Grab yeah. that seat. I mean, it wasn't really bad turbulence. It was just like we were getting bumped around a little bit. You know, like, dude, your 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 seven year old daughter sitting next to you. Keep yourself in check a little bit. Watching SpongeBob, she's having a good time. Yeah, she's she's having a great time, and this guy's uh, anyway. You know, I read something else uh, recently that SpongeBob is an allegory for the seven deadly sins. Well, welcome to 2001, Eric. <laughs> But anyway, uh, you know, speaking of impact, uh, there's a particular <laughs> impact that concludes this uh, week's chapter, although we ju- we haven't started yet, uh, which is memorable from from the show. And I was wondering because we're four chapters in, five chapters into Blackwater at and this it's point, still and going on. <laughs> it's still it's still <laughs> happening. Bless, battle. bless George R. R. Martin for mm. including this much detail. Bless him. Which bless well, you. Well, bless really, you, George. He had done bless the work. You, he had done tight. the work. Then when it came time to write the show, he was just able to condense it and make it into a single episode of the TV series. But, you know, we like the fact that in the books it's prolonged a little bit. There's a little bit more that happens, just a little bit more. Um, but we do finally get the attack on uh, Tyrion. Yes. And this is very, very different than in the show. I mean, obviously a lot of it is, but this is, you know, it's a new location. 
in the in the show i just watched the episode yesterday and and there was the, the epic sort of in the middle of of the the square that everyone was running around them and he had that big you know these are brave men knocking at our door let's go kill them that that's a completely <laughs> different context this time set only to Amanda Moore and and then he's on the ship and he's almost he has that lion king moment when uh, with scar and take my hand and then Brother. instead of just throwing him into the water <laughs> which me. would be like everyone's logical you know it's like i, way I to think go. of lion king i thought of aladdin and jasmine he says do you trust me and she says yes I trust you. well, you're but so she, cute oh. instead she would have looked at him and gone why are you giving me your left hand i know you're right handed yeah. why are <laughs> but but it's so stupid that he pulls like he should have just let i don't this is just dumb but and maybe amanda Moore is just dumb but if you aren't going to kill Tyrion, just let him fall into the sea. He's got you know? a saving don't, people don't thing. Pull, don't pull him out <laughs> and then try to kill him. I just want to read this paragraph to get everyone up to speed with what we're feeling right now. We're all talking fast because we got a little bit of battle fever. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's, it's an experience that unless you've been in a, a nearer death or at least a simulated death experience, which I feel like you're never more alive when you're faced with that, it, it takes over you. And, and Tyrion and George both say, the battle fever in italics. Yeah. He had never thought to experience it himself, though Jamie had told him of it often enough. How time seemed to blur and slow and even stop. How the past and the future vanished until there was nothing but the instant. How fear fled and thought fled and even your body. You don't feel your wounds then, or the ache in your back from the weight of the armor, or the sweat running down into your eyes. You stop feeling. You stop thinking. You stop being you. There was only the fight, the foe, this man, and then the next, and then the next, and then the next, and you know only they are afraid and tired, but you're not. You're alive, and death is all around you, but their swords move so slowly, you can dance through them, laughing. Battle fever. I am half a man and drunk with slaughter. Let them kill me if they can. Kill Tyrion does uh, in this chapter. It's it's interesting seeing a character we love uh, who's a great statesman who figures out how to get out of the uh, greatest entrapments that a person can be put in by their sibling. Um, and yet he's running people through. He's defending the crown, but the Lannisters are the bad guys. And it's already enough of a complex to think that we like Tyrion. But he does you know, kill people in this chapter and the way that the words hide it or they disguise it as his battle fever, we're able to, you know, just kind of, it's very, a lot of violence is happening, but it's not, I mean, it's, and it's clear to us, but we're spared from it, but still it's like our Tyrion. We're still rooting for him uh, while he goes and continually, uh, you know, stabs people in the kidneys, takes them off their horses, takes their head off, half of their head off. All this other stuff, it's just really well done that we're not thinking any less of him at this point. We're just like, we're just like, go boy, go, go. Is it believable? It sort of is, Micah, because we, we know Tyrion is an intellectual and we feel like, I feel like at least that would be an advantage in a situation like this, not just sort of running around with his head cut off like a pissed off rooster, you know, like he's, he's strategically trying to do things. And also he's much shorter than everyone else. So he's a much smaller target. And that kind of goes back to the mention in the show where it was like, hi behind the big guy, you know, he's mm-hmm. going to get taken down first. <laughs> and that's, a, yeah, it's, and it's interesting to have that described in, in the middle of this battle. And, and I, I, it's funny because I get these images and this is totally random and probably 
inappropriate, but when I was, I played the Buffy video game once. That's really inappropriate. And I have played Selena. it more than once. And there's this level where you have to play as this guy who's a, a bewitched like thing. He, he's basically he's short and your special weapon is like a hammer that you have to hammer all the zombies kneecaps. And it's like the oh, best no. level because it's so much fun. And you're just down there on the ground hammering kneecaps. And that's kind of like what I thought. That's, he's described as stabbing people in the, in the like guts and stuff like that. And, you know, it can't be all bad in this situation. That reminds me of when I was in a wheelchair and I used to play ping pong at college. And I was just like, man, my center of gravity is so much lower. I can spike this so much easier now. <laughs> yeah. It's the same thing. It's a, it's a height advantage. Yeah. Well, I, I think too, the point that, that George is trying to give us in this chapter, this battle fever is to see this great tactician. You know, this guy who's smart and can handle this stuff really just go around killing people because that's what war has. That's what battle really is, is it's not thinking. It's just fighting. And that's that's the Battle of Blackwater has come down to this point where Tyrion gets turned around at one time or the other and isn't sure which direction he's in and and sees somehow that Stannis may be winning because he thinks that they're close to the castle. But he looks around and he, he sees white cloaks killing what could be their own, like, fellows and people killing who could be their own officers. And there's such confusion mm. because you have every second a guy coming at you trying to kill you. You have such confusion that yeah. it's very likely a lot of these deaths or some of them are friendly fire, are you know, killing your own side of the team because, and I think there's a quote and I, of course I'm going to botch it by not specifically quoting it, but it's about the banners and the bright colors um, all going to, to, to nil, to nothing, to the fact that you can't even, you're not going to look up and see what flag somebody is waving because they're coming at you with a sword. Some of that, of course, is a bit of foreshadowing too, that Tywin Lannister's forces are coming to save them as, as the, as we speak, you know, Tyrion at one point, he looked to the, to the to the shore and he's like well if we're over here who the hell is stan is fighting Are, is he fighting mm -hmm. himself what is going on and it's you know it's actually tyrant he's like i'm not complaining but it's a little, confusing. <laughs> it's a little weird but okay they're fighting each other it's just there's no room for thought as it were no, in this no. kind of a battle and the ground beyond be, you know beneath Tyrion is breaking and he's on this there's this connection of ships that are all like wrecked but they're still together and you can like cross people are actually actually crossing blackwater on this hulk of ships that have like somehow been brought together in the ruins in the aftermath of the big you know wildfire explosion we built them a bridge is what he thinks to himself right at that one point where mm -hmm. he sees them all flooding onto the shore but i like the way that george set up this this false sense of security for tyrion you going into battle with both Sir Bell and Swan and then Sir Mandon Moore because these guys are really fighting alongside him and helping to protect him throughout the entire course of this very short chapter. But then at the end, it's Sir Mandon Moore who tries to kill Tyrion. And if not for Tyrion begrudgingly allowing Podrick Payne to come along at the beginning of the chapter, he almost sends him back. Tyrion probably would be dead. Yeah, um... Podrick, they they took this out of the show, and I, I blame George only because it was his. Well, he's episode. a lot younger in the show, first of all. Yeah, I mean, yeah. sorry, in the book, he's a much younger character than who plays him. But he's so brave and he's so competent in battle. He saves Tyrion in the last Tyrion chapter uh, that we read. He's a real badass and comes and strikes some men down right in front of Tyrion, 
And it continues into this chapter. You know, I think as sort of a reward in season three, Benny Evan Weiss gave him this flair for the ladies, you know, this <laughs> ability in bed, which is, uh, can't even be put into words. But oh, in the yeah. show, he didn't really have this, uh, prowess with this blade. Um, it's cool. I, I like Padraig. I still think he's so random, but I like him. <laughs> that show, that thing in the show. <laughs> let's not do that. Let's talk about that. <laughs> we're, we're, we're still thinking still not about over it. it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. What did it mean? <laughs> Tripod. <laughs> tripod. <laughs> I'm just but looking at the chapter. It's a brain and bone clung to its head, and he's talking about his mace. Oh, mace. I mean, brain and bone. Let's get mm. real here. That's this one thing that really struck me just looking over this chapter Rose right now Joffrey. is that, well, yeah, first off, Rose Joffrey at the end of a mace, got to have that. But it's just, there's reading battle scenes in something like Tolkien, and then there's reading this. Yeah. I, I challenge you all just to crack a book open and, and take a look because this is this is uh, pretty exciting. You know, and all of this is basically going. about, yeah, it just keeps going. Yeah. This just, it, it never stops. Like, they're chopping some guy's leg off. He's stabbing a guy, like Eric said, in the kidney. Mm -hmm. And then there's some brains while you know, people are exploding. Yeah, and that's a lot like the show, oh, sorry, that's a lot like the book series in general is that it doesn't let you escape it you know once it's once it's happening it's happening and you're gonna stay with it and you're gonna see it through to all its uncomfortable places Com uncomfortable is that the word uncomfortable sure well if it's uncomfortable for you no. that he had to slice yeah. his horse's neck and have exactly. a fountain pour out but you keep you keep that and he keeps being covered in the blood afterwards town. you know what i mean <laughs> <laughs> but like even that's why even we're going on season three and everything is so brutal and gory and everything's just getting worse and worse and worse it's because yes that's what it would be once you're starting the terribleness it's just gonna get worse but you know what i mean though like it's a scarlet fountain it's not a raging river of blood or yeah. you know it it's done in a way so that you're able to get through it mm -hmm. that's true uh, it's good that it's real though because too many depictions of situations like this whether it's in text or whether it's in uh, film it's just not as i don't want to say not as grotesque but it's not as real and this is very real like what is happening is very real if you hit mm -hmm. a guy in the head with a mace that's very heavy and spiked yeah. and and designed to pierce bone and flesh, there's going to be some brain on it. That's just all there is to it. You, you were talking about some of the uh, the depictions before, but Tyrion comes across this one person who's trying to yield, and he tries to accept it, but then realizes that the guy is handing him a gauntlet with his hand severed still off inside of it. And that's just a further depiction of, of how cruel and nasty this, this whole battle is. Yeah. It's a good Pledge of Allegiance, I think. You pledge know? of Allegiance. Here, take my hand. Not just my <laughs> gauntlet, but exactly. my entire hand is a mess. It's, and it's, again, do, you know, d despite it being stupid that he didn't just pull him in the water, I mean, what, what do we think this means? Obviously, we've seen the show, we've read the book, we know who ordered him to do this, but it's terrible that it, that it even in all this terribleness, what ultimately almost kills Tyrion is friendly fire, if you will. You know, yeah. it's... I, I yeah. I wonder what this guy's orders actually were, because we see him for the most part of the chapter. They're fighting back to back. Yeah. They're fighting alongside. It's a buddy cop. But film. I guess it's because no one can see, you know, it's to, it's why he leads him out there where nobody is, is because no one can actually, is allowed to see what happened because Mandon Moore is pledged to Joffrey. So if they, you know, if they, if, if anyone saw that he's the one who killed Tyrion, then they would be able to make the connection. It's one of those chapters, though. We, we've we talked about them a lot in this 
particular book, and certainly having the foresight of season three makes this all a lot easier to, you know, not get nervous for characters. But we saw it with the Jamie chapter, or sorry, I should say the Catalan chapter, not knowing what is to happen to Jamie after his conversation with Catalan. You know, we saw it with Davos as well, with him, you know, being taken into the water. And then now we see this with Tyrion where, you know, he's been, he's been wounded. We don't know how seriously. And even in future chapters, um, you know, which we'll get to later on in the week, it's talked that Tyrion is dead. So you're left with a lot of uncertainty after this battle heading into the next book. And I can't imagine as a reader, you know, with no TV show to support me, how I would deal with the weight in between knowing what's coming in a storm of swords. Yeah, that's it, it sucks. I, I but reading the end of it, I feel like there's it's a good chance that he would survive because he's he's hearing pod and he's not just yeah. totally dead. It's not it's not curtains yet, you no. know. So I, I there's hope still at least. Yeah, it's not like terrible like his world fell into darkness or it became all cold or whatever. It's actually Go on. there's hope. <laughs> oh really? I, that sounds very familiar, Selena. I don't What? I don't know where you're getting that from. <laughs> Stop this. I have this, no people. idea what you mean, my guy. <laughs> Uh, this is horrible. Uh, it was an innocent comment. <laughs> could be I'll have that on record. <sighs> yeah, I mean, it was. It was uh, as Eric pointed out earlier. It's a very, very short chapter uh, for for Tyrion, and you know, we get a lot of these now as we head towards the end of the book of with different characters because the pace of the plot is moving so quickly that you have to just keep jumping back from one character to another to get their perspective on on how this particular battle is going to turn out. Mm. And it's shorter chapters, I think, too, just to emphasize how rapid it is. You know, we were speaking quick at the beginning of this podcast, and that's kind of what it feels like when you're reading the book. It's like not these long, drawn-out, slow descriptions. It's bam, Tyrion action, Sansa action, Tyrion action, Sansa, you know? It's it's exciting. Yeah, very quick. Yeah, it keeps you holding on. It's. I mean, I don't want to say that it'd be hard to read a single narrative book, after this, because I'm reading a few other at the same time. And I will say that this is more engrossing. And when you get to the end of this chapter and you know Sansa's left, you want to know the falling action of what has just happened from this perspective. So uh, how about owns of the uh, chapter? Yes, even though it was a short chapter, that does not mean we are without owns or mm-hmm. even listener owns. What were our owns for this chapter, you guys think? Well, my own is actually, I mean, there's a lot of, oh, there's a lot of really, really great stuff and great descriptions in this, but I actually got to give the own of this chapter to the TV show, which is something we don't do a lot <laughs> in wow. fear of angering the hordes of fans. But um, I think that the way that they translated this this battle and this particular part of the battle to screen was extremely effective. And Tyrion's speech which ended with the, these are brave men at our door, let's go kill them. Mm-hmm. That was perfect. And that was taken from, not directly from the book, that was taken from him saying to Sir Mandon, these are brave men, let's go kill them, in a totally different context. Yeah, they combined the two moments, the one in the last Tyrion chapter, which mm-hmm. I'm sure Mike and Zach talked about, where the the hound walks out yeah. um, and is like, fuck this shit. Uh, <laughs> you know, fuck this shit, man. They're pretty, barging. Pretty in, they're barging at the Mudgate, and they've combined, the, you know, sort of his speech there in the book, where he kind of just, you know, walks through it. I'm half man, that that sort of thing, with this speech, you know, or with this quote of "Let's go kill them," and they combined it and made it really the perfect moment for Blackwater. 
for Tyrion. Yeah, it was very well done, mm-hmm. I think. Such a fist pump open. Is it okay to give Tyrion? I think it's okay. I give you permission. <laughs> okay. Don't listen to her. Well, I just have to give it to Tyrion because I feel like there's been so much speculation, not just in my own mind because it's not something I really thought about, but people question the half-man. They question – they they blame so much of this stuff on him. And throughout this book, he's just been a beacon of hope with the Lannister camp. He's done all that he can to make their plight successful. And if it weren't for him, it wouldn't have lasted this long. The battle would have been so much more of a failure. And they probably would have fallen before the troops, the, the support troops, actually reached King's Landing. Mm-hmm. And so a lot needs to be said for what he did with the chain and with the wildfire and with the planning beforehand and the strategic alliances that will eventually happen. But I just think that he really repped the Lannisters proud. I think he repped his brother proud. I think that he repped his father proud in this battle by sticking to it and being brave and taking down a lot of foes. And even in the face of imminent death and danger at the very end, you know, he's still grasping at the oar. He's not giving up. And we know in the show that he goes on to survive. So I think that it was very impressive, like first serious battle, because I think going into this, if this were to happen, like we don't have to deal with these kind of uh, threats in modern life. Like no one's shooting at arrows at us and it's not dangerous. We're not getting hit in armor with arrows. So I don't really know how people would stack up, but Tyrion stacked up very well. And I think he gets my own. Yeah, this chapter is really all about how one man can make a difference. And you see thing, these things like uh, the motivation of the troops is tangible. You can cut it with a knife. Um, it's so thin as well that if Tyrion weren't out there defending the Lannisters saying, you know, King's Landing, you know, and doing these battle cries. Elendil! Yeah, all, all, these, all these battle cries, <laughs> things like that. If he weren't out there doing that for exactly as long as he does that, it's very possible to imagine that the tides would turn, that the, you know, that the, the they would lose the battle if it weren't for him. For Frodo! And the Red Dawn! <laughs> but uh, because I do wish to stick by my own rule of not giving an own to the point of view character, mm-hmm. I'm going to have to switch it around and give the own to Mandon Moore. What? Who yeah. wow. failed epically. <laughs> no. Okay, yes, Podrick was there to save all that stuff, but Sir Mandon Moore left what is going to be a permanently disfiguring That's scar true. on... Tyrion's face. Give the and... give the ohm to Tyrion's nose for leaving us in memoriam. Tyrion's nose. <laughs> Tyrion's nose. Sad so, music. So, man and more, you're an ass, but you left a mark. I on... think he gets the anti own, dude. He didn't anti-own. kill Tyrion. You know what I mean? Like, if you get one good swing and you can't kill the half man, what's it say about you, buddy? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I it's because Tyrion reacted the way that he did. If he didn't kind of pull back at that moment, mm-hmm. he probably would have lost. More than his nose. I just think how many people did Mandon Moore kill in this battle? He couldn't. He couldn't finish that off. You yeah, know, you're right. Like, come you're on, right. And The fact that Tyrion had to get back up and then fall down on the deck. There was plenty of time for for Mandon to strike. Yeah, there was. Yeah, there so, was. It was stupid. Pod maybe he's get cool, and maybe he didn't really want to do what the Queen bid him do. Two owns here. Ooh. One is for Podrick because he just stepped up. He's this young kid. He is loyal to Tyrion as his squire, and you know he steps up at a huge moment uh, and saves Tyrion's life. And not only that, I did have to give an own to Tyrion here. He is the point of view character, so uh, Eric, I'm ignoring your rules and going <laughs> going the Zack route here. Mm-hmm. The fact that he had the uh, the wherewithal in that moment to notice that Mandon Moore was giving him his left hand. I think it just shows the intellect of Tyrion Lannister. I like that. Despite how uh, 
how dire of a situation he was in, he was still able uh, to use his wits to save his life. What say you, Eric? I say that Giving you, it guys, to shit you guys are not the only ones to disregard the uh, golden rule here on this episode. Uh, taking it over to Twitter for our listener-owns of this chapter, uh, Andy Robillard, or Robillard, depending on how you said it, says, Bugger the rules. The half-man <laughs> completely owns this chapter, strategy coordinating and half-manning it up to charge outside. I like that. And Jen Wyman feels similarly. Jen says, my own for Tyrion, uh, four, or 15 has to go to Tyrion. Those are brave men. Let's go kill them. That quote. I like that too. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, Susan Stacy does give one to Pod. She says, uh, Podrick Payne owns this chapter by having Tyrion's back when Sir Mandon Moore attempts to kill him. Hmm. And, uh, she actually, uh, capitalized him at the end there. So Tyrion, uh, very deified at this moment. May he drown forever in the Blackwater Bay. <laughs> He's Jesus. Let's just get that out of the way. Yeah. Well, you know, right. we got another uh, own here, kind of, or maybe it's just a communication from Crispy Lunkett on Twitter. Um, and I only bring this up because he's been to PA Ren Fair, which is uh, my local Renaissance fair where I grew up. I used to love uh, going to see it. Uh, got this at PA Ren Fair a while back, thought it fit. It is, uh, there's a picture attached to it. It is actually a bottle of Blackwater. Uh, actually, it's uh, Blackwater Stout. You know, we were <laughs> talking about the Game of Thrones beer on the previous uh, episode. Yeah. It looks like some other uh, lesser known places are, are, are doing this. Apparently, the Swashbuckler Brewing Company has a Captain Rude's Blackwater Stout. Uh-oh. Does uh, HBO know about I this? I like that. Yeah, I don't know if HBO knows about this. It's probably but, older. Uh, they do now. You <laughs> so, know, they keep uh, talking in this chapter, though, you've with Tyrion. ruined somebody's way of life. Tyrion keeps talking about Blackwater being everywhere. Um, and I keep thinking, well, why don't you scoop it up? What would it taste like? Death and mm. destruction, obviously. But Delicious. Uh, yeah. Green. I'm sure that's not Very high time. salinity. Yeah. It, it, isn't, uh, doesn't Tywin go fishing? In the next, uh, that's a deleted true. scene. That's a good point. It's gonna have like radioactive sure. giant fish. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the Tollies will have their revenge. <laughs> <laughs> that's how we're gonna defeat the Lannisters. Yes. Poison the water. <laughs> well, everyone knows how to get in touch with us. It is 2014, but those things have not changed. Eric has shown us time and time again over the past couple of years that he excels in the art of telling you how to get in touch with us. Eric? Email us at contact at gameofowns.com, right on our Facebook wall, or as we say, it's scrawl on our wall at facebook.com slash gameofowns, and tweet us at gameofowns on Twitter, or visit our Twitter news feed at twitter.com slash gameofowns. I like that. Yes. The Clash of Kings is coming to a close, though, people, so you have a limited amount of time to get your owns out, and once those episodes are made, it's done. That's yeah. it. No, We're not reading over. it again, guys. No. Yeah. As much as you might want us to. <laughs> Show's over. Go home. So you hear the strings going. You know yeah. what's next. There's only uh, one thing that we can do, and that's Dance. say goodbye to everyone. Goodbye. Goodbye, everyone. Say bye. Until next time. That's he, what I'll uh, say. He's Zach Louie. He is Eric Scullington. That's Selena Wilkin. Oh, and that's my content Bob. This is oh, nice. God. Let's go. We're one big, <laughs> happy, dysfunctional family. And I'm Sam. You're not Sam. You're no. not, oh, my God. Every time.